filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I read a story in National Geographic over the weekend, and uh, it, it, it moved me. Pablo Escobar, the drug lord, had a zoo on his compound. He built a zoo? He, he collected animals and had habitats for them. Um, and when he, he died, when he was killed, the Colombian government took possession of his estate and everything in it, including the zoo. They transferred most of the animals around, but uh, there were, uh, I, I think, four to eight hippos that he had acquired that they, they, they just couldn't move or, or didn't care to move. They just let them stay in the pond where they lived. And these hippos thrived and they breeded and there are now 40 to 80 of them, some of which have escaped the grounds and are now just making their home in a local river. And I, I think it's Colombia's biggest river. And so there's room for them to grow further. And uh, they're referred to delightfully as cocaine hippos. And okay. I, I had mixed feelings about them because they're, they're a non-native species. Uh, and there's actually a real debate because they could be replacing some large fauna that humans pushed out in you know, the geologically recent past. But uh, w- once I saw they were referred to as cocaine hippos, I was completely on their side. Team cocaine so- hippo. So, Adam, do you think we should introduce invasive megafauna into the Potomac, for example? I, I don't know that we've displaced megafauna. I, I think so it's Adam probably is not a good idea to do it. Hippos it's probably in the not. Uh, uh, well, yes. At that point, if you're talking about hippos, yes. Yes, I am. For our listeners, um, if you want to read more on this topic, and I'm not kidding, um, look up... Uh, ativist.com and try and find their story on Frederick Russell Burnham, the founder of the Boy Scouts, who also at one point was very much uh, leading the charge on trying to introduce the hippopotamus in the southern United States uh, to kill an invasive plant species um, in Louisiana um, and also (laughs) for eating. And there's um, also an alternative history about that same endeavor. Who I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'll find it at some point about uh, if the hippos went wild and took over most of Louisiana. I'm we'll we'll include a link to this somewhere because uh, I've already found it while we're talking about it. So um, we'll we'll make it easy for you. at least the the real version. I don't know about Ben's alternate history, but I'm interested. <laughs> we. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say hippos are better than goats. That's not a surprising position coming from me. My, it depends on what you need them for. It's called river of teeth. <laughs> I like the name already. That's good. <laughs> um, 
My Google thing. search was hippo Louisiana fiction. Okay. <laughs> and river of teeth is, is what you get. Are they cocaine hippos though? Depends on how much cocaine there is in Louisiana. You know, I think there's probably more <laughs> other drugs than cocaine in Louisiana. Uh, more meth, more opioids, certainly. Are you, you're turning I, I, it into a bummer, Adam. I, I, well, to, to take it away from a bummer, I, I'll read just one brief, one brief line from one of the reviews of River of Teeth that is right in Jason's wheelhouse. Man-eating hippo mayhem is my new favorite mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's it's a giggle-worthy review. pitch for a movie I want to see, <laughs> at the very least. Um just that sentence alone. It's it's sort of like uh, the movie Hobo with a Shotgun. Um, just the title of it alone. I was like, okay, uh, we're talking about hobos. Uh, we're talking about some sort of uh, campy revenge sort of thing. I'm in. Do you remember the movie Lake Placid? Yes. Um, I never saw the, it, but I do remember it. All right. So in it, Betty White feeds a, a crocodile that goes wild and kills lots of people, but not Betty White. Well, okay. maybe it does get her in the end. I'm not sure, but she's on the crocodile side. I'm just right. thinking Lake Placid two, hippos. Was this, did that come out? Was that the movie that sort of brought her back into the national conscience? Um, it it might have been. I don't know that she ever left the national consciousness. But she, she suddenly became more of a, um, more of a figure all of a sudden. Though I don't remember exactly when Lake Placid came out. Uh, sometime mid to late nineties, I want to say. Okay. Um, when did Golden Girls end? Oh, it's run in the eighties. Sometime. Okay, reruns were on for a long time in the yes, house they where were. I grew up. So, uh, well, I mean, reruns were on for a long time for everybody. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, I love Lucy episodes from like nineteen fifty five were a frequent thing. Right. Uh, I mean, Nick I at Night was a thing, right? Yeah. But specifically, Golden Girls reruns were were. Mm-hmm. Often on the TV when my mom was at home. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United Hippos and Betty White podcast. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, which is not a hippo fan site. Um, I, I want to say, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It, it is, in fact, a DC United site, and that is mostly what we talk about tonight. We are diving deep on DC United's roster as it stands right now. The team announced contract decisions to, to kick off the offseason last week, and we are going to look at those. We are also going to bring back a segment from years past. It's a little bit delayed, but we're on it now. Cake or Death, the season review. We uh, we give Adam, that's not the play- segment's name. It, it is the segment's <laughs> name. It will always be the segment's name uh, in it. We decide whether we just up or down vote on each player who was on the roster at the end of the season. Do you want them back or do you not want them back? We have the first four names to get through tonight. And next week we'll have another slate of, I guess, six or seven names to go through. So, and we'll keep doing that all month long because it's December now. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, we might get into the, uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals as well later in the show. Before we do anything, though, Benjamin, what are you drinking tonight? So I'm battling a cold and battling a terrible sounding voice, so I apologize for that for you all. So I'm drinking some herbal tea from Rishi Tea, one of my favorite tea purveyors. It's got uh, uh, rose petals, it's got spearmint, it's got 
uh, licorice root, which I don't usually like, but it's okay in this. It's got valerian root. It's got cardamom. It's it's a nice soothing herbal tea. Okay, well, I hope it's good, and I, I hope you feel better. I am drinking uh, what is one of my wife's favorite Christmas beers, Shiner Holiday Cheer, uh, from from down in Texas. It's you know, it's a beer with some Christmas spices in it. It's malty and pretty good, pretty inoffensive. Uh, Jason. Uh, first of all, the segment we were talking about earlier is called Goat or Fox. Secondly, uh, my drink. We were going to get to it. I was going to spring it on Adam. Like oh. Maybe he would have thought we had forgotten our clever ruse. Yes, because that's the kind of thing I forget when you do it every year. <laughs> Multiple times every year. Yes. For a month every year. Yes, um, a month of goat or fox jokes every single year for, for our listeners and most of all for you, Adam. Um anyway. Don't uh, don't say this is for me. Oh it Oh it is for you. Number one on the list. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm aware. It's it's more <laughs> at me than for me. Uh, Let's get our prepositions right. Nonetheless. Around um, you. I I went out to a new Mexican restaurant or new to me anyway, um, in Annapolis and I ordered a margarita. It wasn't that great. Um, and, you know, they came back and I wanted to have another drink, but I didn't want to order another not great margarita. And I was like, Oh, what do you do? Um, so I decided to order a Paloma, which is, um, basically tequila, lime and grapefruit soda. Um, most likely Haritos, but you know, whatever grapefruit soda is available. Um, the Palomo was really good, and afterwards, I went to the grocery store and bought three bottles of grapefruit Haritos to keep making them. Um, but tonight, I'm actually changing it a little bit. Uh, it's a uh, Mezcal Paloma, so Ooh. just a uh, Mezcal instead of the tequila, otherwise the same proportions. I think the proportions are like four parts tequila to one part lime juice, and then add ice and top with your grapefruit soda. Um they're good. They're probably more of a summer drink, but they're still good. Awesome. Something for me to think about in the future. You can, you can also, I don't love grapefruit, so it, it could be something for me to try grapefruit. Yeah. And I mean, it's a grapefruit soda, so you're not getting the full grapefruit, uh, punch in the face if you're not a fan. So this Adam, is a way you, to ease into it. Adam, did you never have Fresca as a child of the early to mid nineties? I, I did have Fresca. It didn't taste like anything. Fresca was grapefruit. So it, you could have tell, picked literally any citrus and said, that's what Fresca is because it was carbonated water with a little citrus flavor. Didn't Fresca also have the um, aspartame or whatever? Um, yes. Yes. Sweetener. Yeah. See, that was my problem with it was it did not taste like actual sweetener of some kind, whether it be sugar or corn syrup or what have you. Um, and that threw me off. Yeah, it was a, I Sorry, think a sweet and low joint. If you want to sponsor us, I'll reconsider my position. Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, I think that's the Coca-Cola company that owns Fresca. So that would be I nice. Mean, that's a company be, that can afford to, to meet our needs, I think. It's it's true. <laughs> um, we'd have to go to drinking non-alcoholic beverages on the uh, on the show. But Ben's already got I mean, tea tonight, so... Could- I'm sure they would be fine with us finding ways to mix in. Um, That's true. And, and, you know, give our listeners ways to appreciate their product. But again, you you know, first things first, send send some checks. 
All right. Having not discussed this with either of you, I'm going to open this up and say that whoever sends us on Twitter at filibusterdcu or in our email, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, whoever sends us the best cocktail recipe that incorporates Fresca will get it read on the show. We'll get a shout out. Um, I don't know if we can go and any Adam farther will, than Adam that right make, now. Adam will make that cocktail yes. and drink it his, into his own body. Yes, that is true. I will do that. Thank you for committing me to that, Ben. You're welcome. That's the kind of friendship we have going here. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, we'll, we'll read it out and, and I'll, I'll imbibe that cocktail. The best one, and I get to choose the best one. Uh, I'm not going to let these two monsters choose it because they will not choose the best one if I'm drinking it. So, so send us your best Fresca cocktail recipes. And, and ignore what you want. Which is not quite the same thing. I would probably choose the most horrendous one. <laughs> yes. I know you would, Ben. That's why I'm not giving you a vote. Or we can all choose the one we like best. I may also shout out the most them. horrendous one. All right. Ben is going to make and drink the most horrendous one <laughs> himself. I'm going to drink the one I like best. And Jason is going to do what Jason is going to do. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to promise you anything. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, those are the terms of the contest. The end. Time to talk about DC United. Um, as I said earlier, the Black and Red announced their first offseason roster moves uh, last week. They exercised options on two players and passed on nine other contract options. This is not close to the end of the story, as we'll get into momentarily. We'll start with the players that are under contract for next year. There are, I think, 13 of them, uh, and and it's... It's a pretty good list uh, of talent. So you have Paul Ariola, Stephen Birnbaum, Frederick Riant, Russell Knaus, Chris Durkin, Bill Hamid, uh, Joseph Mora, Junior Moreno, Zoltan Stieber, Ulysses Segura, Chris Aduiachim, David Osted, and um, some guy named Wayne Rooney are under contract for next year. Uh, I, I guess there's there's a chance that not all of them actually suit up next year. Chris Durkin is subject for the subject of rumors uh, and and reports of interest from European teams. He was last year as well. Uh, I guess to, to start uh, any thoughts on those rumors on Chris Durkin. I mean, it'll be like it was last year. I mean, and probably even a little more, it's going to have to be a solid big offer for DC United to give him up, especially with uh, the gold cup coming up next year. And a lot of DC United's midfielders might be participating in the gold cup. They're going to need Chris Durkin uh, for a lot of next season. And it's going to have to be a good offer to blow DC United away. So I think we see him for most of the season in with with DC United. And that's great because he's a great player and I want to continue to see him grow with, uh, with the team. Yeah, yeah I know the team. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think we, we need to be talking about um, a couple million dollars rather than, um, you know, that the rumors are of something in the six figure range. That's not, that's not even like worth getting out of bed for um, from DC United's perspective. Um mm-hmm. You know, as Ben points out, the there are the Gold Cup games. There's um, 
a real chance. You know, hopefully we don't have to spend future podcasts talking about how Greg Berhalter is terrible because he is, starts calling in Russell Canals like he should. Um, and at which point, though, that means that that spot is going to be unoccupied. Um, there's also right around the Gold Cup, there's another FIFA window, um, which might mean Junior Moreno getting called in for a week. So there's a chance that like Durkin might be literally the only defensive midfielder in town um, for a, 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 some period of time in the summer. So um, I think the window is there for him to play roughly a, a similar amount of games uh, at, you know, just from being the, having the position he has. And then if he continues to accelerate as a player, maybe he even pushes uh, Moreno aside. I mean, it it's not unthinkable that that could be the case. Um, we also, you know, getting kind of getting ahead of it. But now that we're talking about the roster being uh, chopped and changed, the door might be open for him to play a little more center back. If Briant ages out, uh, there's a chance that he could be playing there, you know? So yeah, I, I think we're not going to see him regress in terms of minutes played just from the way things are much less. If he gets better then that's great. And unlike a lot of other positions with DC United, hopefully playing the four, two, three, one for the foreseeable future. If either one of those positions uh, that Moreno or Canals uh, typically occupies, if either of them get injured, he slots into either one of those automatically. Right. It's not like he, a, a, a left fullback where you can only play left fullback sometimes or other positions where it's only you're good at that one position. Those two defensive midfielders are fairly interchangeable, at least on this team. So he could be slotting in for either of two players at this point or three if you want to put him on the back line. Yeah, I want to see Chris Durkin on the field anywhere he he can uh, as often as he can. Um, I think he he generally he's improving so much and so rapidly that it helps the team both on the field and down the line when he is sold to a team in Europe, which I think we all assume will happen sooner or later. Um, the question is when and for how much and putting him on the field generally should increase his value um, as well as, you know, being a good player for DC United in the present. Uh, Moving on two players had their options picked up by DC United um, and they will be back there on the roster for next year. One of them is Luciano Acosta, uh, La Jolla, um, one half of Lucha Rue, if you want to use that name. Um, MLS best 11 this year. This, this was an obvious choice for DC United. The option uh, is probably not going to uh, be the actual contract number he's on next year. And we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Jalen Robinson, homegrown player, center back, sometimes fullback, but really just a center back. Um, His option also picked up. So he'll be back. He's right now the third center back on the depth chart. If you don't count Chris Durkin, Back to Lucho, though, um, everyone, I think, expects him to get a new contract. If not this winter, then sometime probably during the first half of next season before he can sign a pre-contract elsewhere. Exercising the option now, even though you have no intent, the team might not have any intent of actually having that contract number, that salary for next year, uh, basically just keeps him from being able to go abroad for free. 
he he wouldn't be able to move around within MLS because DC United would keep his rights, but he he can't go sign for a team in Mexico or Argentina or Spain um, because he's under contract for next year. And then they can renegotiate that. So pretty obvious housekeeping kind of move, even if you uh, assume that you're going to get a new contract with him before the season even starts. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have more to say about him in, in Goat or Fox. All right. Options that were declined. And this is where the list starts to get a little bit more interesting. And you have to think about different wrinkles as well. Yamil Assad's option was declined. Uh, Nick DeLeon's option was dis- declined. Vitas, Kevin Ellis, Ian Harks, uh, Jared Jeffrey, Dane Kelly, Bruno Miranda, and Kofi Opari. There are some names there that uh, I would really like to see back next year. Um, Yamil Assad, I think, the most obvious among them. The good news is the team is trying to bring him back. They declined the $700,000 lump sum transfer option to his team in Argentina, uh, which still owned his his contract because he was on loan this year. Um, Dave Casper said they're trying to renegotiate that, potentially get the transfer fee paid over multiple years so that it, the the budget cap, the budget math makes more sense because of MLS's very Byzantine budget rules. Well, yeah, uh, like like we just said, if you renegotiate Lucho's deal, uh, it's likely that he would become a designated player along with Paul Ariola and uh, Wayne Rooney. And then bingo, bango, you're out of DP slots and you can't just pay Assad willy nilly out of your pocket because then he has to either be bought down by Tam or has to have his deal spread over a number of seasons. It's not like I know some people were mentioning Atlanta United's players and how can they pay so much money for their players? It's because of those designated player slots and DC United could theoretically be out of those. So I think they can make it work. I, I think, uh, uh, his Argentinian team will probably be willing to to figure it out because they're still getting the same amount of money. It's just MLS's weird, weird math coming into play. Yeah, it's funny people mention Atlanta United because this exact situation is the reason Yamil Assad is a DC United player because Atlanta was spending a huge transfer fee on Barco and because they already had Almiron and Joseph Martinez, they they couldn't make him a DP. And the way MLS works is if you pay a transfer fee, then that fee gets added onto the salary essentially and become as part of the cap hit. And so that total combined salary plus transfer fee is what, how you have to consider a player to be a DP. And if you can amortize that over multiple years, then essentially the, the hit becomes smaller because you're spreading that, transfer fee over multiple seasons instead of putting it all in one. Um, and Atlanta United didn't have a DP slot to give Emil Assad last year. So, and they couldn't come to an agreement on a fee and salary and everything. So they had to let him go. And he went down and trained in Argentina until DC United traded for his rights. And then obviously he came here. The rest was magic. Um, so hopefully DC United can come to an agreement with the Argentine club and, Yamil Assad will be back Arsfield? in black Bella and red Sarsfield? next year. Is that what they are? Yes. Yeah, Bella Sarsfield. I didn't want to pronounce it incorrectly um, or get it wrong. We'll have more on Assad, I think, in the next segment or with uh, Cake or Death. 
One thing I will add is that um, uh, United maintains uh, Assad's MLS rights for the time being. So yes, um, just because they declined his option, they have not uh, lost the ability to keep him around. Um, so don't right, worry just about like DC had to pay Atlanta for his rights, they had to trade right. Gam Tam, whatever it was, we sent to Atlanta back in February. Um, another team, if they want an MLS, if they wanted to sign Assad, they'd have to pay a ransom to DC United yep. as well. Uh, next on the contract decline list, Nick DeLeon. Um, obviously he, he's been around for the long time. I think he's the longest uh, tenured player on DC United or longest continuously tenured player since Bill Hamid left and came back. He's got the team's name tattooed on his body. Um, celebrates with the the fans historically uh it you know guy can play anywhere he's got some knee issues right now he's on about a two hundred and seventy five thousand dollar salary it sounds like um the team is going to negotiate that down a little bit there could be a path forward who knows uh i would like them to get this done because i'm a an ndl stan but at this point it's it's up in the air it sounds like I would like them to get this done too, but I would like it at a solidly paid, but still backup level salary. So I'd like maybe 200 K or a little lower. I mean, he's not going to go, he's not going to go down to 90 K. I mean, that's not no happening. Right. Yeah. But I'd like to see him at a spot starter challenging for a starting spot. Uh, th- that kind of level salary somewhere where they're comfortable with that because I think the team needs to sign somebody else to challenge him, especially if O'Neill Fisher isn't going to be ready and we'll get to him in a sec. If he isn't going to be ready until mid season, that's another place where they need to introduce more competition in this off season. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty much in line with you guys. Um, I think the issue for DeLeon when it comes to, you know, the contract renewal, I think the, or by taking the option, they're obliged to give you a 10% raise. I, I, if I'm remembering my I believe wrinkles, so. wrinkles of MLS rules. Well, I think the, the option, the option might generally be a 10% raise, but I think no, the I, option, I think the CBA actually comes with some oh, sort really? of percentage. Yeah. The option automatically builds in. So it might be 5% instead of 10 um, but either way, um, with his knee, uh, either way that pushes that, him over 300 K. Right. And, and, you know, we are talking about someone who hasn't played or hasn't appeared in 20 games since 20, what is it? 2016 would be the last season. He had more than 20 appearances in a season. Um, the fact that his, his knee is a, it's a bone on bone. So it's a pain management, which means, um, you know, if there's a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday situation, you can bet he's not playing the Wednesday game because his knee is probably going to be the size of a pineapple. Um, and wasn't Dave Casper saying there's something with both knees? Yeah, he did mention that he has issues with both knees. Um, the other one is probably it's probably one of those injuries that players play through that we don't even ever hear about because um, professional athletics uh, grind you to a pulp. Um, but uh, yeah, it. If, you know, there's a chance he could play 25 to 30 games um, and maybe United should offer him a deal that incentivizes more appearances, um, something like that. Uh, I know with Rooney's contract, it's 
there are a ton of incentives built in. Um, but you know, they're a little restricted as far as how many they can build in because those things all get monetized in a way that we don't even know exactly how it works because MLS doesn't want to tell us anything. Um, I do want to say, I I do want to give Pablo Maurer a shout out. Um, He's at the athletic now and he got his hands on the contract between MLS, DC United, Wayne Rooney. And that's the reason we know about the incentives. And it's, it's a rare look at a DP contract in MLS. And, and I don't know how Pablo got it. Uh, I don't want to know how Pablo got it, Um, but yeah, probably drones. Um, But, but it's great work from him. And if you haven't read the story at the athletic, go sign up for a free trial and, and read it. It'll be worth it. Yeah. Really one of the rarest things we have in this league in all these years that um, people have been paying attention to it is that generally speaking, we've, you know, gotten to hear about a handful, maybe less than five players contracts in a league. That's almost a quarter century old. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's like breaking into Fort Knox. So, I mean, maybe Pablo did break into Fort Knox. I don't know. Um, they don't but, keep uh, gold there anymore. I don't know what they keep there. They keep MLS player, MLS contract. player contracts. Yeah. yeah. That's canon now. <laughs> I am going to Kentucky this Christmas, so if I have a chance to swing by Fort Knox, Fort Knox, I, I'll, I'll I'll do some reporting. Make sure your jailers allow you to continue to do the podcast from jail. For, for sure, that'll be my weekly phone call. Um, <laughs> dialing into <laughs> to call a podcast. I, I'll demand them. Uh, I'll demand the family come to visit me in person. I'm oh, not going to. I'm not going to edit out the uh, interstitial. This is a call from a federal correction facility. <laughs> but I'm leaving those in. Oh, that's a right. if you're if you're podcasting anything having to do with someone in jail, you you leave that in every time. Every podcast yeah. does that. I think if, I think serial set the standard. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my question is: Will they be trying to triangulate my position with cell phone data? I think it's come a long way since the early 2000s. Right. Uh, they probably already up, have a chip on you. It, it's true. Hey, you're doomed. We're all doomed. Sorry. <laughs> That's just your general position, Jason. Uh, keeps It keeps bearing out. <laughs> uh, Vitas left back. We'll talk about him in Cake or Death. Uh, his option was declined. So was Kevin Ellis, who we didn't see much of. Uh, this year in hearts his option true that's true that's true um in harks's option was declined we talked about this pretty recently it sounds like the team is going to let him go either abroad or elsewhere in mls uh jared jeffrey's option was declined steve goff somewhat surprisingly reporting that jeffrey could be back next year um captain of loco united i i could live with that I, I definitely could yeah, that, that. That would make a lot of sense. I mean, we we've talked about it before. Um, a role for him where he is essentially showing players by example uh how mm-hmm. to be a good pro. Um and, and you know, it's not I don't think Ben Olsen is necessarily hesitant to plug Jared Jeffrey into a game. Um, even after all this time where he didn't really play. Um, I think if we had seen an injury to um you know, maybe if while Moreno was away on international duty, if Canals had been injured, um, we and we were playing four two three one, we may well have seen Jared Jeffrey, especially if Seguro was also away. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that um, 
that Olsen necessarily thinks. I mean, we, we know Jeffrey's not as good as those guys in those positions, but um, I don't think it's such a gap where he's not, he's no longer considered MLS caliber. Um, right. And that's the reason I, I think that's the argument for him right there. We know next right. year between the gold cup and FIFA windows and potential injuries, um, there, there could be a need for that fourth, fifth, sixth, uh, mm-hmm. deep lying central midfielder. And that's Jared Jeffrey. And, you know, yeah. he's also enough of a team guy where in preseason, we saw him playing on the right wing mm-hmm. uh, in the Olympia friendly. Uh, I had to explain to many people that he was in fact playing left back, uh, which was not his position. Um, and anyone can was, play left back, Jason. Uh, this is not the women's or men's national teams. Uh, <laughs> where that logic carries on to reasons that make me want to grind my teeth. But uh, yeah, uh, the fact that he was willing to essentially take one for the team, I mean, to go out against a Honduran champion and, and struggle at left back because there's literally no one else to put out there. Um, that's, you know, a, that's a, a lot to ask of a player for the, for their pride. Um, the fact that he went out there and did it, um, it says something about him as a professional. And, and that's the, kind of the reason why he's stuck around. Uh, if it weren't for that, they probably would have cut him loose before this last season. But um, I am surprised still that I, I kind of figured that he might just be moving on uh, one way or the other, but maybe he likes it here. I don't know. Dane Kelly, speaking of that Olympia friendly, uh, that that was his goal mm. for the team this year uh, was in that one Jamaican international forward. Um his option was declined. So is Bruno Miranda, as we've seen reporting from elsewhere that he is moving on. Um, he was on loan for his own, his own words. Yeah. He has said in foreign press that he is no longer going to be with DC United. A lot of people had hope for him, but, um, and he, he had some flashes when he was able to get on the field before this year. I don't know if he ever, he didn't get on the field much this no. year. Very early in the season, he made a few appearances. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah, His spot, unfortunately, with Segura ending up as a winger, um, that kind of ate any minutes that were available for Miranda. Right. He could have subbed in for Lucho to help try to kill off a game, potentially. I know he he played kind of a free role in in a couple of appearances, but Mm -hmm. he, yeah, he just didn't fit into the team's plan. So he is gone. Kofi Opare, the last player whose option for 2019 was declined. He's hurt for the rest of this offseason going into next year. And um, I, according to Steve Goff, he is a candidate to, to be invited to camp to try to earn a contract. I, I don't, I assume he's eligible for the reentry draft, but I don't know that um, yeah, he's a lot got of teams are going to take a flyer on a on a hurt player. He he does have enough years of service in MLS to qualify for reentry, but not for MLS free agency. Okay, so he could be selected in the reentry draft after MLS Cup. He, I, I, given the trends we've seen the last few years, I assume he won't be because very few players are. Um, and and he's hurt at the moment, which makes him especially in the first round of the reentry draft, even kind of, kind of a a riskier pick, Um, but he could come back for preseason next year, try to earn a spot um, 
show that he's recovered from his injury. Three players are out of contract right now. Darren Maddox, we talked about recently, he will not be back with DC United. He doesn't have an option or anything to decline. He's just out of contract. Travis Wara, third string goalkeeper, another one that we've seen reporting will be departing. Um, and O'Neill Fisher, another hurt defender, is is the last one. He could be back next year. I'd like to see him back next year if he can recover from his injury. I'm not sure what the team's plan is, whether they'll offer him a new contract this winter to, to get him locked down or if it'll be more of a um, Chris, Chris Corb situation where they, they have him train with the team and you know offer him a contract if and when he gets healthy. And yeah, either way, they're going to need to supplement the right back spot, as we talked about earlier with Nick DeLeon. So if they sign him, I assume they'd start him on the injured reserve for a lot of the first part of the season. So if he's amenable to it, it might make sense to just not, or not even if he's amenable to it, if it, for roster flexibility, it might make sense to just not sign him until later on in the season and just see how things are going at that point. Yeah, that's one where you have to, the team has to talk to the player too to make sure. Cause if he's not amenable to it, he can leave. He can go play in Jamaica. He can play or not play. He can, he can find another career if he, he wants. We've seen a lot of that this year. Uh, Taylor Kemp, uh, a name we haven't mentioned yet, he announced his retirement because of injuries that kept him out for the last 18 months. So there are other options besides DC United you know, kind of stringing him along if that's not what he's up for. I think that's it for this segment. We will be right back with Cake or Death. Good or Fox. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean... Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It is time, at long last, for a tradition unlike any other. Cake or death? Goat or fox? Cake or death? It's goat or fox because Ben doesn't know what mammals eat other mammals. 
<laughs> I, I thought yeah. it was it was better to receive a goat than a fox. No, it no, was originally ben, it was originally I thought goat I thought foxes ate goats, but I've been since learned that uh, goats are too big for foxes to eat. But, which makes the whole nonsense even <laughs> more nonsensical and bad. But it is better to it's get like a goat. throwing the peeps in the chili pot. It is better to get a goat than a fox, even though foxes are also nice. They're, they're My son fun. has a fox lovey, and it's super cute. And yeah, we're talking about real animals. <laughs> Do you want a real goat or a real fox set loose in your home? So there have been attempts to sleep? domesticate foxes, and it only takes a few generations to to push them closer to more dog-like. So I would go with a fox. Anyway, a few generations. How how long is this thing going to last? How long are you? I don't know last? if I'm stuck with a if I'm stuck with a fox in my home. A goat is going to do stuff to my house. I have I, I have a, a scarf blanket. Like, I have a scarf blanket. I do not want the goat to eat. A fox is going to bite you the next morning when you wake up and emerge from your bedroom. That fox is out there ready to bite you. No, I think the fox will probably spend most of the time hiding from my dogs, um, which is not kind to the fox. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, but the goat would also probably hide from my dogs. They do. In any way, in any they case, there's no debate over which people, which you would rather have, cake or death. It's very simple. There's no debate. Which is why what I kind of cake we're talking about here. I'd rather have pie. <laughs> it's not an option. <laughs> I would also rather have pie, but that is not the bit that that Eddie Izzard did. So we have cake or death. Go it to used to be river or life back when Martin was running the site. Is that, is that a Billy Joel thing? Like river of dreams? No, I think it was a like Maryland sports TV thing from Martin's youth. I'm not totally sure. Jason, as all things Maryland, does this make any sense to you? Uh, I don't remember the provenance of it. Um, I assume this is just something that happens over time as it gets changed. Uh, at some point, uh, we'll all be pushed out and someone will change it to some other thing. Um, and uh, then we'll we'll have to tell them it's Goat or Fox from afar. Or Cake or Death. Anyway, Bourbon or have- Vodka. we have four guys to get through uh at the top of the roster we do this alphabetically every year um we start with luciano acosta number 10 uh mls best 11 this year um set the world on fire with goals and assists galore some wonderful finishes um one iconic goal in particular against Orlando city, Jason cake or death. I mean, this is one of the easiest decisions we've maybe ever had on this uh, segment in all the years we've been doing it. Um, Lucho was fantastic this year. I assume he's going to get better. Um, We only saw really his best for half a season. Um, Yeah. There's absolutely no reason to have any issue. Uh, I would say not just goat, but like, a very large goat, like a noble goat that could maybe do tasks or, you know, whatever he needs it for. I know he likes to um, cook meat frequently, so maybe he's just going to butcher it and go that route. That's fine. That's his call. Um, But, you know, the goat of his choosing. Benjamin. Yeah, I mean, it's everything Jason said. This is 
the easiest call we've had, except for maybe one once we get to the R's of this of this segment. But he was the best he's ever been this season, and he's still only twenty four, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. And so he's still got room to grow. He's got a uh, budding partnership with Wayne Rooney. Uh, he and Assad and Ariola all looked great together, and so. Then they've got the new stadium, so and he seems happy now. So all of that together is an epic, mighty, majestic furry goat. I will go so far as to say this is a goat-shaped cake. All ah, of it. A giant cake. Like a, a cake that is as large as a goat? Yes. Okay. So so a one-to-one scale cake goat. Yes, I will I will make an exception to my, my general rule on goats. Um, I will even go so far as to say a hippo sized goat shaped cake, a larger than life goat cake uh, for, for Lucha, which would be much, much larger than him. Um, and yeah, I'm okay like with that. Four or five Luchas. Yeah. He can throw a big party um, and he deserves it because he was incredible this year. He deserved every accolade he got. Um, he deserves some accolades. He didn't get, um, He's he was fantastic. He was absolutely the the centerpiece of the team and uh, deserves all the praise that he's he's gotten and will continue to get. And I look forward to him next year. I look forward to him buying an even crazier car with his new contract um, because he drives a, a very expensive, very fast car and good for him. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing pictures too. of him and yeah. I look forward to seeing has said meat is the only good thing and is pretty much his leisure time is like attending to his children and then like grilling is the the two things he does, which actually very Argentine in that man. It it also sounds like a a Ben, um, a Ben (laughs) lifestyle. Uh, Ben, Ben likes to smoke, smoke some meat whenever he possibly can. It's true. You tend to your once Lucho is comfortable enough to do media appearances in English, we'll have to get like some kind of grilling, smoking segment with with just, you and Lucho. I think that would be a lot Lucho, of fun. Uh, smoke some beef and hang out. Yeah, pretty much. And just talk about how meat is the only good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is Vitas. You're probably wondering why we have a V here when I said it was alphabetical order. It's because his name is actually Vitautas. Andreas Gavicius? I think that's right. Don't ask awesome. us. We'll if go you with actually it. know how to pronounce this correctly, uh, I, please let us know because we collectively have very little Lithuanian language knowledge between us. Wasn't there a video that the team released? Yes, of, there was, of right Vitas pronouncing it. And I, I did, did not get a chance to watch that before we recorded. So I'm just reading it off of... Uh, my screen here, but Vitas is how he generally goes. Uh, even as his last name is not that, um, did not play much at all. In fact, for DC this year, had a few appearances for Portland dressed for DC United before he got hurt, but, but never got on the field for the black and red. Um, Jason, before we get to the, the actual question, you, you wrote up the, our, our piece on him. What are some of the, the observations and thoughts you had. Um, I know, you know, when, when he was signed, 
it wasn't necessarily the signing that I wanted to see. Um, I wanted to see United get someone in line with a left back Harrison awful type of player. Um, and that that's not what happened. Um, but at the same time, I've got to say that every single person that I um, talked to about him from Portland was had a much higher opinion. Um, so I have to accept that maybe there was something that I was missing out on uh, from afar, not seeing him every single game, maybe not watching Timbers games as closely as United games. Um, but uh, I, I will say, you know, he was always he was always present. Uh, he always seemed to be, he seemed to fit in almost immediately, which is an interesting thing for someone to do coming cross country, being the only Lithuanian on the team. Not just, not just that, but like the only player with his sort of playing background, playing in the Netherlands um, for the most part before he came over here. Um, and there were also, you know, it was kind of a, a every single game sighting of, a, of us in the press box right before kickoff, Vitas and usually one other player that wasn't in uniform or was injured or what have you would emerge from the tunnel and walk behind the goal over towards um, where the player's seats are. Um, And this allowed him to prevent a gigantic trash bag from flying onto the field during the playoff game, Um, which if, if it had gotten past him would have gone straight to the players in line for the national anthem during the anthem. Um, There was nothing. He was the only object or human being in the way that was going to do anything about it. You know, that kind um, of defending is something that we could yeah. use. Uh, la- a last ditch emergency defending. It's always welcome. Uh, so yeah. It's the recognition. Though, yeah. The, you know, the, the knowledge that, Oh, that's not good. Um, also not getting overawed by the occasion that there's just <laughs> a, a gigantic uh, plastic bag flying out of a tunnel up and into this up and into the stadium. That doesn't make any sense really, but um, there it was. And he didn't spend any time thinking like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? He's like, Oh, that's got to stop right there. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the real issue with Vitas is, it, you know, the good news is that his injuries aren't lasting. He was right at the playoffs. He was training, if not at 100%, at least doing something in regular training drills with the team. Um, so he was probably close to being available. Um, if the season had gone on for a couple more weeks, then he might've been in uniform even. Um, yeah, it's, it's not like an O'Neill Fisher situation where there's months on end where he wouldn't be able to play. He by all rights should be, uh, ready to go for the start of preseason. Um, so there is that. I mean, it's not that's not nothing given the other injuries on the team right now. So what do we say? Cake or death? Um, if we're talking about a salary cut, uh, then I would be inclined to keep him around. Um, but you know, those are always tricky things. How much is going to be enough for a guy who's in his prime, who's got, you know, he played in the Netherlands for several years, not just in the Netherlands, but first division. Um, you know, he could easily go find another contract. Um, I would imagine that, um, the clubs there will remember him there and say like, well, you're, you know, you're 28. It's not like you're, you've aged out. So, um, it, right. This is potentially his last really decent contract true he'd be going um, for. And, and that would be you know a big factor on his side of why you know do i want to take this or not 
Um, he does seem very happy in the States. He, this isn't like when, um, Alam Rochat was traded here and he had mm-hmm. settled to Vancouver and Vancouver only. Um, Vitas seemed completely like, Oh, cool. I'm in a new place. That's fine. Um, he, in his, I think it was in his press conference, he was already referring to the team as we, uh, there was no adjustment period for him. Um, he did not seem like a player who was unhappy to be around. So, um, mm-hmm. We'll see um, if if he's willing to accept, you know, enough of a cut to make it because at this point he is second choice. Um, he's not going to take a cut to like a college rookie um, would take. But um, if they can get that price low enough, then I say, you know, let's keep him around um, based on his past. But, you know, don't overextend yourself in those negotiations either. Ben. If he could play a little more right back, this would be much easier for me. But since he's primarily a left back, uh, if he's willing to be second fiddle to Joseph Mora, and uh, again, speaking of the the Gold Cup, Mora will probably miss some time as well. Um, Good point. Yeah, I I I think uh, I'm def- I'm going to go uh, goat for Vitas. I think it'd be worth uh, seeing what he has uh, if he's willing to stay and. He's going to get some playing time because of Gold Cup and schedule congestion. So it's good to have a solid person there. And again, if he can play a little bit of right back too, that would be useful as well. I'm I'm in the same boat. We'll make it unanimous. Um, at at his current figure, I it, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but at the same time, you know, you you need depth, and players are are more and more expensive good players are more and more expensive in MLS. And that that's overall a good thing. Players getting paid what they're worth is, is good. Um, but it's, it's tough to make the the salary math work, especially since they're higher end pieces being integrated into the team. Now um, really makes you want DC United to tap into that two plus million dollars of discretionary Tam to make, the budget math a little easier, but that's another discussion. Anyway, cake for Vitas. Next up, handsomest man in MLS, 23 year old Paul Ariola, U.S. national team winger, uh, DC United winger, central midfielder, right back. Uh, I think this is another easy call. Um, He, I don't have his scoring record. Uh, right in front of me. Actually, I do seven goals and six assists this year. Not bad. Uh, I, I I say cake, and it's not a tough call. Yeah, he showed a lot of versatility this year, but he excelled best down the stretch for me, at least when he was when the team was in the four two three one when Wayne Rooney was there and he was streaking down the right wing, and just like Lucho. Did, he was not being keyed exclusively by opposing defenses. He had uh, Wayne Rooney occupying defenses. He had Lucho occupying defenses. He had Assad occupying defenses. And he could also provide some distraction for those guys uh, to the defenses. And it looked like he was having a lot of fun out there. It looked like he was uh, playing with a lot of uh, aplomb. And... Yeah, he can play in other positions uh, as the team needs him, but I think they signed him to be a winger. I want to see him as a winger, and he's obviously a GOAT all around because he's national team level 
at winger already, and he's just going to get better playing with all of these guys. Yeah, yeah. Ben mentioned the national team. I think, you know, as much as we've spent a lot of time harping on the lack of call-ups or canals, I think um, Ariola's 2018, it's almost like nationally people have kind of ignored it because he was there when the national team failed to qualify. I still maintain that he... He was the sacrificial lamb in a game where it wasn't really his fault. You know, they they just weren't giving him the ball um, against Trinidad and Tobago. I, I don't think that that should be held against him. Um, I think he should be back in consideration. Uh, I think his uh, play on the right was really, really important for DC. Um, not just best for him, but also... Uh, adding that element of speed that otherwise mm-hmm. isn't really there when you've got Rooney and Acosta and Assad. Um, there's a certain lack of directness and quickness with those three that Ariola takes care of. Um, and he he has a really good sense of slashing across his fullback and getting in behind that left-sided center back. And all of a sudden, um, you know, he's not having to dribble anybody. It's just make the last touch, um, whether it's his... Uh, you know, difficult to explain ability to keep winning headers uh, despite <laughs> being a small guy um, or just, you know, getting a toe to a ball and, and knocking it past the keeper. Um, yeah. His finishing improved a lot this year. Yeah. Well, and, and also his ability to get good scoring chances mm-hmm. um, went up a lot. Um, it wasn't just, you know, last year he had a few good chances that he didn't put away this year. It was uh, better chances more often. And that's how you get more goals. Um for almost every player worldwide, it's it's kind of uh, an open secret that it's not really being a better finisher. It's getting yourself in easier to finish chances that'll really send your goal scoring total up. Um, right. And, and he also he showed his vision this year. His one thing that I think is interesting and really, really valuable about Areola uh, is is that he's a different type of player that still works really well with Lucho and Rooney and the, the intricate way that they want to play. He, he can get out into space and, and open the field up, but also he can get in there and his first touch isn't always great, but he can hit a one touch pass pretty mm-hmm. well. And, and that's what those guys want to do. Like you're not going to hit it a long ball to Areola and he, he's going to bring it down with three defenders around him with a perfect first touch. He will put that touch into space and then be the first one to get to it. Um, and that was what made his early season transition to central midfield really interesting. And in a couple of moments, really scary, <laughs> but uh, he, he made it work there and he made it work once he went back outside and had more license to get forward. And I agree with Ben that he was at his best late in the season when he was playing that right wing position with more license to go forward than he had in the the early season four one four one as an outside mid. Um, and he he kept finding ways though to to help the team wherever he was on the field, even if that meant going to the Ben Olsen and saying, "I want to move somewhere else on the field where I can be more valuable." Um, he, he's got this determination that makes a lot of sense in a Ben Olsen team. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think he's still got some growing to do as well mm-hmm. as a player. So good use of a, a young DP slot this year. And he'll age out of that category and take more of a cap hit next year. But I, I still want him back cake easily. Yeah. The, um, and, you know, I didn't even get into the positional versatility, which, you know, we all know uh, for Ben that that's, you know, he he is definitely his best on the right wing. But I think there's 
a huge value in him being able to play pretty well in a couple of different positions, um, especially on a team that right now um, has one available or one. Yeah. One available right back. If they had to play a game tomorrow, um, sign four more <laughs> sign four more tonight. Um, but yeah, um, the, the fact that he can do all that stuff opens up different things, especially if you're losing a game, um, you can pull your right back and, and move him back and add Zoltan Stieber or similar. Um, so th- those things I think are really pop- good, good things to have around. Um, I don't have any problem paying him the salary he's going to get paid. I, I do wonder how long he's going to be here. Um, if he has another season like this, we might see Mexican clubs come back in for him or maybe European clubs come in. Um, but you know, that's a good problem. That's not a bad thing. Um, if you're an NLS club and you're getting that kind of interest for one of your players, then that's good. That means everything's going as it should. Um, so yeah, uh, go, uh, yeah, that, that one's, it's, these are very easy so far, I think. Uh, another probable slam dunk. Our last one we're going to talk about tonight, Emil Assad, nine goals, five assists for the 24 year old Argentine playing mostly out on the left wing. Uh, he's not the fastest guy. He doesn't win a lot of foot races, but he's a smart player. He knows how to combine. He knows when to move and recognizes opportunities. He scored the first goal at Audi field with a long range shot, uh, a beautiful curler actually. Um, and uh, like a couple of guys we've talked about already, easy cake for me. What do you say, Ben? Yeah, especially since he's going to have a full off season this year with uh, Lucho Acosta, with Paul Ariola. Obviously, everyone's going to have their first full off season with Wayne Rooney. Just all of the uh, work together they're going to be able to do to learn each other's habits, anticipate each other even more fully. Uh, for 2019 is going to be super valuable. Uh, he's a really smart player. He is an exciting player. Uh, he played just as well for DC United as he did for Atlanta United the year before, which I don't think anyone uh, except DC United fans saw coming. And so, yeah, you're not going to, you don't replace a sure thing on the left-hand side unless you have another sure thing. And I don't, uh, especially with no DP slots available. I don't think that's the way the team goes and you're not going to find at MLS level, someone better than Yamil Assad for that position. So you keep Yamil Assad. Go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, um, I've been a big advocate for paying the, the loan fee, um, find, find a way to get that done. Um, I'm sure we don't need to tell, Dave Casper that it sounds like he is very much on of the same thought process. Um, so we'll see them, you know, hopefully the, the negotiations don't take that long. Hopefully it's nice and smooth. Um, I did see when we were at our break on Instagram that he is in apparently in uh, Alexandria drinking mate, uh, which is like the most Argentine thing you can do during your off season as a DC United player, I think. Um, so yeah, uh, keep him around. Um, see if he can build on what was an excellent first season. Um, you know, I, I will say that when we talked to Ben Olson um, after the season, he he noted that um, you know Assad had that ankle injury against the Red Bulls, and then he came back and his 
um, goals and assists weren't necessarily there. And Olsen said, um, as a, I, I believe the way he put it was, as someone who knows from from ankle injuries, um, he could recognize the things that Assad could and couldn't do. Um, and so Assad was out there, you know, gutting it out essentially. Um, but Olsen was emphatic that he, even though he didn't necessarily score and um, get assists at the same rate, he was still playing very well. Uh, he was still not just putting him out there because of the name, but because he was the best player on the team at that role. Um, and it, it uh, I, I don't want to, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Olsen's take on it was definitely that like, look, I don't have any say in this as far as negotiations with another team, but I'd like him back. Um, and that's, that's as far as, as my control of it goes. And then that's that. Um, so yeah, every, I think everyone on the team is on board. There's no reason not to the, uh, you know, if you follow Assad's social media, he doesn't, he doesn't do a whole lot other than watch soccer and play soccer. Uh, he's like a custom built, uh, soccer playing machine. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, hopefully it'll be another year, hopefully several years of him, uh, putting up possibly 10 and 10, uh, from the left wing over and over again. That's, that's really awesome. So yeah, uh, goat, uh, with an Argentine flag, uh, tied around its neck. Uh, one other thing it's worth mentioning is Assad's ability to press. Um, he played for Tata Martino in Atlanta before coming here. And he showed a couple of times that his understanding of how to press is really high level for MLS. He, he knows how to make this curving run when he's pressing that maintains all of his speed, but cuts out a passing angle and also closes down the passer. Um, it's, it's, tricky to do that. You have to understand space and how the other guy is going to move while you're not watching him necessarily. And also uh, how the, the person with the ball is going to do. And that's valuable, especially as DC United potentially presses more and more. And as all of MLS presses more and more going forward, it's a, a valuable thing to have. Um, I just wanted to, to shout out that ability. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he should be a defender. He shouldn't be. But uh, his ability to defend on the front foot from that left wing position is, I, I, I would say, elite in MLS. Uh, even without elite level speed, uh, he does a very good job just with his understanding of, of how to do it. Let's close the show with a quick discussion of the MLS Cup playoffs. MLS Cup is set. It will be in Atlanta. Uh, the Five Stripes will be hosting the Portland Timbers Saturday. Um, for for all the marbles you can fit in that giant metal cup from Tiffany's. I don't know how many marbles could fit in there. They should have a contest. Guess how many marbles fit inside MLS Cup. Um, contest brought we, to you by 80-year-old Adam. 80-year-old <laughs> Carney Adam. Thank you very much. While we're at it, someone should guess how much it weighs when it's full of marbles. This sounds like a contest that should be brought to us by uh, whatever the largest marble conglomerate is. Marble Co? This sounds like a contest that should be brought to us by Werther's Originals. (laughs) Don't hate on Werther's Originals, dude. I like Werther's Originals, (laughs) but they're also a thousand years old. Every one of them. Every Werther's Original in existence was manufactured in 1812. They, They were brought to us by the Elder Ones. Cthulhu himself ate or there's original. Uh, we're working on a preview that will 
have hopefully later this week. Uh, something similar to what we did last year with representatives of, of both teams in the final. Um, tonight, though, we're going to quickly look back on the Eastern Western Conference finals. Uh, out West, Sporting Kansas City lost at home to Portland 3-2, to two, and that was the aggregate final. After a scoreless first leg in Portland, the Timbers advance. And up in New Jersey, the Red Bulls managed to get a late consolation goal, um, but, but fell three to one to Atlanta United and uh-huh. ra- raise a glass to, to Metro playoff failure. It comes like the clockwork. Most, the most uh, undefeated thing in MLS history is Metro playoff failure. It's never ever failed. It, it seems that we're, we're getting to the point where it's a, uh, the data is a large enough sample size where we have to assume that this is just how things are forever. <laughs> we can only hope. The arc of the universe the at law is long and it bends towards Metro playoff failure. <laughs> uh, that is that, that seems to be correct. Um, yeah, I don't, don't have a ton. Chris Armas outthought himself in the first leg. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, he stood off or had, had the Red Bulls stand off and play deep against Atlanta instead of pressing them the way they had every team including atlanta every other game this year i have no idea what chris armas was doing i could say it's because kamar lawrence was out you could say he was trying to i don't know conserve his guys i have no idea but it obviously didn't work he spent all year changing how direct they play and making them a little bit more of a possession team but he he pulled out a club that had no business playing against atlanta united you could say it's because he's not Jesse Marsh. Yeah, for, for better or worse, he's not Jesse Marsh. But I'll, I, I think it should be noted, Jesse Marsh also never won an MLS Cup. And on multiple occasions, outthought himself in the playoffs. Yeah. Even uh, his first time in the playoffs, even Patrick Vieira at NYCFC outthought himself and and had played this really dogmatic possession game all season long building out of the back, even against the red bulls to his detriment during the the regular season. And then come the playoffs, he just plays long ball and Atlanta made that work. Atlanta has been the team that's been able to, to change the way they play in the playoffs and make it stick. Um, and, and credit Tata Martino credit the players in Atlanta. They, they didn't press in the playoffs against NYC or against the red bulls. And they they sat back and absorbed pressure and became a really good back foot counterattacking team instead of this front foot all out all attacking kind of behemoth and not like we've seen the the Red Bulls NYCFC they couldn't make that kind of switch in the playoffs and Atlanta has yeah it's it's a tough thing um, it's tough to get a team that's so good at attacking that's been built around the idea of attacking as, as an ethos. It's not just a thing you do when it's right to do it. It's, it's what Atlanta does to everybody um, to get them to change kind of on a dime and turn back and, and play a different way. Um, that's a lot to ask of those players. Um, and, you know, they kind of went to an almost comical extreme uh, in the second leg at Red Bull arena, because there was, a, there were a lot of moments where, it was obvious that they just didn't even care about trying to um, turn a situation into a counterattack. It, it reminded me 
of all things, it reminded me a little bit of playing high school soccer and being in a game where you're leading and there's just not enough players who can kill a game with possession or anything like that. And it just becomes guys thumping the ball up the field or kicking it out of bounds or whatever. It looked like um, a hockey team playing after the other team pulls their goalie. Like, yeah, just, you know, sent, or, or just on a power play pen, penalty kill, just yeah. put it into space down the wing and just send the ball clear. And, and they, they broke the, it's, it's probably not the all time MLS record because they're the opta data only goes back to 2010, but um, in that time, no one has had a lower uh, pass accuracy uh, or pass pass completion percentage than Atlanta in the second leg. They were under fifty percent. Um, but uh, you know the the Red Bulls they didn't they did not seem to know what to do. Um, they didn't really have a good plan for how to grapple with uh, Atlanta coming in and saying like, there will be no soccer at this stadium today. Go. If you want to see soccer, go somewhere else. We're not allowing it to happen. It's not going to happen. No interest in it. Um, we're just, we're going to spend 90 minutes preventing a game of soccer from breaking out. Um, you know, part of that, the Red Bulls were without, um, you know, Florian Velo and Vincent Bizacor were both injured for the year. Those are guys that might've given them something that Alex Mouille doesn't give them. Um, not that we have too many Red Bulls listeners, uh, but uh, you guys definitely value Alex Mouille way more than he actually is valuable. Um, and this, this no, he's of, pretty good at straying offside and shielding the keeper. And, and he's a worker bee. He he works very hard, and other guys do the other the the creative stuff. Um, but they needed something other than that. They did. They needed something other than the lineup they had out there, and they just. One of the that one of their issues at the end of the season was that this was really all they had. Um, they did not have uh, much of a changeup, and they lose one player from that group, Kamar Lawrence, and all of a sudden, it causes them most likely causes them to alter their strategy in leg one. Um, it undermined them in leg two. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely evidence that Chris Armis was more keeping that train on track rather than uh, modifying it and making it better than ever as, as was the speculation uh, during the season. Um, yeah, they, they deserve to lose. They, they were the worst team over the two legs by a pretty solid margin. Um, and they're going to be wondering how could this happen to us? But I think a lot of it's kind of clear. Um, they just weren't ready for playoff soccer. They weren't adaptable. At West, uh, Sporting Kansas City lost at home three to two to the Timbers, and I think I I haven't gone back and listened to last week's show, but I'm pretty sure I said I could see Sporting Kansas City winning one to nothing or losing three to two. So I I'm gonna you know hurt my arm, my shoulder, patting myself on the back a little bit here, uh, but but this this score kind of didn't reflect the actual play on the field sporting Kansas city, especially through the first half was, was dominant. They were a little bit unlucky to only be up one goal. I thought um, they had goal correctly disallowed, uh, mm-hmm. but, but they still from the, the state of the play, they, they could have had two and probably should have, but 
that's not how soccer works all the time. And then sometimes Sebastian Blanco just hits the most ridiculous shot you've ever seen in the playoffs and turns the game on its head. And I can't really fault Sporting Kansas City for just dying and curling up in a ball at that point. Yeah, that the Blanco goal was was absolutely ridiculous. Um, it was at a point, you know, it was kind of late in the evening as well, at least for us on the East Coast. Um, I was thinking to myself, like, maybe it's time to go, like, put on a hoodie or something and, and um, hunker down for the night. And instead, that happened, and I, I felt like like the energy was coursing through my veins, much less anyone else that was actually had a root, that had a rooting interest. Um, I do, you know, the, Kansas City did not react to that goal well at all. Um, and I think maybe that's the biggest knock I have on that team is that um, they don't really do, they haven't really done well when faced with adversity. Um, they made a difficult game out of Real Salt Lake without Ruznak. I know I've brought it up a bunch of times, but um, that should have been a stroll in the park for them. And they were looking, you know, they were, they got into a shootout. That game should have been easy. Um, this one, Blanco scores, the game is turned on its head, and they never really got themselves back on course at all. Um, other than, I, I will say, um, Jerso Fernandez played really well off the bench. Um, but outside of that, there was a lot of guys that, that you know, their midfield just could not get come to grips with the game that was being played. Um, and that's not, it's not like they were missing anyone. That's the midfield they've had in place all year. Um Felipe Gutierrez, Roger Espinosa, and um, Ilya Sanchez. And I thought Espinosa was pretty poor. It's actually him yeah. that Blanco skips around before he hits that shot, which, you know, let's not blame Espinosa too much. That shot doesn't happen too often. Um, right. But if he doesn't let Blanco just ease past him like he's not even there, then maybe we're not talking about um, Portland getting through at all. Because if that goal doesn't happen, I don't think the Timbers, I think the Timbers struggle their way to a one nothing loss. Um, but that goal, it, you know, the, the old goals change games saying, um, it's usually talking about game states, but in this case, it was a mentality thing. It wasn't just that Portland all of a sudden had the away goal. It was this like thunderbolt, uh, that, you know, Kansas city never got themselves back into the game mentally. And it, you know, the, the follow-up goal was the, the Valeri goal or the first Valeri goal was kind of a sporting Kansas city goal to score. Um, and yet it was Portland. If you go back, um, and watch what leads up to that, like the 30 seconds before it, Kansas city's trying to press and trying to press the ball and Portland is almost losing it over and over again. It's always these guys, you know, reaching off balance to keep their first touch close because they got pressured into a bad first touch. And then their pass to the next guy isn't quite where it needs to be. And he has to take an extra touch. It's all this little stuff where Kansas city almost makes it happen, but it's all almost, and eventually, in the middle of all that, Diego Chara receives the ball and just plays a nice, simple one one time pass to Valeri. It's where Valeri needs it to be, and I think it's 15 seconds later that Valeri is into, uh, is heading the ball into the empty net. Um, and it it's kind of the kind it's the kind of thing that Kansas City can do to teams, um, and yet they're having it done to themselves because they couldn't execute at the hallmark of what they like to do, um, and it's because they were mentally still off from that goal it's you know you don't just score a beautiful goal just because it's beautiful it also has a tangible effect on your opponent it can really be demoralizing and um i think that's what happened to kansas city i i think that you know if you if they had to play a third leg 
even in Kansas, if they played, they went back to the old 90s style and they played uh, best of three. If they played it in Kansas City, I don't think they would have recovered from the goal even then. They, they're probably still reeling. One one guy on sporting I do want to shout out is Daniel Shaloy. I didn't realize, and I, I, I vaguely remembered them signing some European to a, a youth contract and bringing him into their academy and setting him up in a high school there in Kansas. I, I didn't realize until tonight that that kid turned into Daniel Shaloy, who had 14 goals this year, seven assists, at moments was unplayable in these playoffs um, has turned into a really special player for them out on the left wing. Um, I I'm just a little bit in awe that they, they turned this random Hungarian teenager into who, who really didn't have much in the way of international appearances, even for his youth national team. They, they turned him into a, a really good player. Um, so I, I just wanted to to shout that out. I would, I would expect him to do even bigger things next year because he's 22 and he scored 14 goals this year. Um, but but Portland's the story. Diego Valeri keep keeps leading teams to MLS Cup. Um, Jeremy Abobasi now starting forward on an MLS Cup finalist, which is kind of fun considering how buried on the bench he had been under Caleb Porter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I believe that's earlier this year. Yeah, they, that's true. It took a long time before they finally were like, all right, fine. We'll give you a chance. Yeah. Um, and when I, I mentioned Caleb Porter, I should say Columbus crew head coach finalist reportedly Caleb Porter, along with Josh Wolf. Um, also Pat Onstead is their interim GM. So between Wolf and Onstead, we have the Ben Olsen coaching tree just blossoming in central Ohio, which I don't know. It tickles me that that's the case. Uh, I I said earlier, look out later this week. We're going to try to have a preview with uh, representatives from both Portland and Atlanta uh, on the show. Uh, Hopefully we'll have that um, for you in just a a few days. Um, I think that's it for tonight. Unless Ben, do you have anything else? Well said. Thank you all for listening. That does it for us. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially if you're so inclined at patreon.com slash filibuster. Thank you to all of our patrons. Um, we we love each and every one of you. And actually, I'm scrambling right now because somebody uh, increased their pledge. Damien. Just today. Uh Damien what? Damien Cash? Cash? Yes. Damien Cash. That's what I thought. Uh, thank you to Damien Cash, who who has pledged now at the $10 a month level, um, which requires us to shout you out on the show. So we just did that. Thank you, Damien. Um, longtime listener of the show. He showed up at some of our, our meetups as well. Uh, and, and we like Damien. Um, find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at black and red U for the website, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Remember send in your cocktails with Fresca ideas and Ben will make and drink the worst. I will make and drink the best. And Jason will do what Jason does. Uh, we don't know what that is. Mostly though, uh, oh, find us iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, 
wherever you get your podcasts. And please mention the show to a friend whenever you're talking about soccer, DC United, MLS, whatever. Just be that guy that brings up the podcast you listen to. Or be that be that girl who brings up the podcast you listen to. I know I am in other contexts. I, I try not to promote my own one too much. That just feels Why? more awkward. But I, I'm not going to say listen to my podcast. Actually, I'm not... I'm lying. I totally mentioned my podcast. I like in 2018 say referring to your podcast is the way having a blog was in 2010. It's just it. If you have one, you can't not bring it up. Exactly. It's yeah. We're those people. Anyway, thank you for listening again for Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. I'm Adam Taylor and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. All hail Breck. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense in the context of the show. Has anything? <laughs>